Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we're talking about Overlord, released in 2018, directed by Julius Avery, written by Billy Ray and Mark Smith, Mark L. Smith, starring Joven Adepo, Wyatt Russell, Matilda Olivier, Pilu Azbak, and John Magaro. Magaro? Sure. I picked this because I heard a lot of buzz from the horror critic influencers on Twitter coming out of Fantastic Fest, which happened in September. And I also heard a lot of buzz about Apostle from from that source, those sources, uh, which is why we chose that one. But I think I feel pretty differently about these two movies. <laughs> two movies from the same festival, but different reactions, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, and I don't know what all was screened at that festival. So if you've got a, I think a lot of people picked their like top three movies from the festival. But if there um, wasn't that much else great there, then and and are we sure that are we sure that's a horror movie festival? I think it's like horror, sci-fi, etc. Oh, okay, fantasy. Yeah, it should make it down there one year. Yeah, it's in Austin, Texas. Uh, yeah, so this movie is about a small group of American soldiers who find horror behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. We're going to get into spoilers later on if you're new to the show, but that is the spoiler-free synopsis. And, Ash, this is the second Nazi zombie movie we've covered. Yeah, I find it crazy that Nazi zombie movies or Nazi horror movies... It's like this elaborate genre that's had like a number of movies uh, behind it. What do you think drives people to make uh, Nazi horror films? I mean, Nazis are horrifying, but it is interesting that it's this weird little niche. Do you have like a favorite uh, Nazi zombie or Nazi horror movie? No, man. I really haven't seen many other than this in Dead Snow. How about you? Um, you know, I, when looking this up, I, I mean, it, one that I don't think immediately comes to the top of mind is Green Room. Um, even though that takes place in the U.S. and it's not like dead Nazis, it focuses on like actual Nazis who like live in the U.S. today. And uh, I, I, I mean, I guess that that counts as this genre, right? Yeah, I mean, there's Nazi horror, I guess, but then there's Nazi zombie. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, two different things. When when in one of them they're still alive. Yeah. Zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Green Room's interesting because it's almost not a horror movie. Right. Yeah, it's more just like a documentary of what goes on. Yeah. some places in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I, I, then I guess, yeah, the, these two would be the only Nazi zombie movies I've seen. Yeah. And then there's also like a small subgenre called war horror, mm-hmm. uh, which I really haven't seen many of. But this, I mean, this one is almost more of a war movie than it is a horror movie. You're right. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it felt like. Uh, I, I feel like it was 75 or 80% war movie versus like 20% zombie horror movie. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of critics are saying. Like, this was a really good war movie, but not that great of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I feel that way, but that's some of the chatter I'm seeing. Yeah. And yep. also the zombies, we're calling them zombies, but they're they're kind of a loose definition of zombies. They're reanimated corpses, but they're not like the traditional what we think of as like a slow moaning feet dragging zombie. Yeah. They're more like the 28 days later, fast, uh, superpower zombies, superhuman. Yeah. And like pretty, uh, cognizant of like where they're pretty smart. Like they still had their identities to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They're, they're not just mumbling. Um, I feel like, uh, this plot though, um, and, and I guess we'll get more into it later though. I like, it's, it's kind of been done a lot where like someone's got like some super serum and they try to make like a super soldier or something. And it, t- it turns people into like abnormal, abnormally like strong, like crazy deranged people. Is, is that something really familiar? Uh, the resident evil video games did that Oh, plot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure there's plenty more too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. God. So there's something that hey, I'm thinking of. It's right around right my tongue. I mean, Reanimator kind of has that. I don't think in Reanimator it was like meant for like biological warfare, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty more that we can't think of. Yeah. Yep. Welcome to the show, people. <laughs> Get used to it. 
this was an interesting movie because I feel like I recognized everybody in the movie and then I had to like go look them up to realize where I recognized them from. Did yeah. you have that experience? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, you're like, yeah, I know I've seen them somewhere, but they, they look different enough where you couldn't place them exactly. Yeah. Um, but starting with the director, I'd never heard of him. He's Australian. I've never seen or really heard of any of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the writers, Billy Ray did Hunger Games, Devil in the White City, which oh, is wow. not not out yet. I think that's a 2019. Okay. And then Mark L. Smith did uh, The Revenant and a movie called The Hole that you and I watched together. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah. then the the main character, Boyce, was Joven Adepo, who's from Fences. And then who else? Did you recognize anybody? And like realize what they were from um you know the, the guy wyatt uh he's he's from something um so he's he's actually like he's uh, he's a canadian uh hockey player i guess oh really i didn't see that yeah yeah he's he's a hockey player and then um oh sorry his, yeah so the actor's name's uh wyatt uh and uh, shoot i forget what he was in but um yeah he, he definitely had like one of those really familiar faces and uh yeah uh, actually, I, I don't know if I've seen any of his movies, but he just looks like really familiar overall. He he was in one of only two episodes of Black Mirror that I've seen. Oh right, yeah, he was he was in like Play or something, right? Playtest, uh, yeah. Playtest, yep, yeah. If anyone yeah. hasn't seen that show, each each episode is completely standalone. I would check out that episode if you're a horror fan. It was from season three, and it's episode two. Oh, uh, you like that one? Yeah, I thought it was scary. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That, that's one like where he's like in a video game and then he's like at a house or something, right? Yep. Yeah. Like virtual reality. Right. Right. Uh, um, he was in Ingrid Goes West too. That uh, Aubrey Plaza movie. Hmm. Yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, that was good. I I thought the big name though in this movie was J.J. Abrams. That's kind of like what uh, I feel like drove it to be done and like be produced by his production company. Um. So I, I I don't know. Do you, are you a big fan of J.J. Abrams at all? Um, sure. I yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's he's like trying to be like the next Spielberg or something. I mean, he's he's definitely a a big name, and he's he's got some. He's done like the Cloverfield stuff, or produced half of them, or all of them, I guess. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't know. He's he's more of like a name now than anything yeah, else. Yeah, for sure. And he hasn't really directed many movies, right? He's just mostly a producer. Yeah, I think at this point, yeah, he is mostly a producer, but, um, you know, he, he I think he directed, like, Lost and, like, some of these Star Wars movies lately he's been directing and Mission Impossible here there. He, he does these, like, pretty big ticket items, but... Right, that's I, true. I think he directed the... Did he direct The Force Awakens? I think he may have. Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Super 8. Oh, uh, man, that was, like, my favorite by him. That was a good was, movie. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. But he's he's never been like hardcore horror, and and I think that kind of sets the tone for this movie. When you have like J.J. Abrams' name connected to it, is you know it's not going to be like the the scariest thing or um you know really like over the top with with the horrors. I mean, he's more like uh, I feel like all of his movies are pretty like balanced. Yeah, for sure, indeed. And I think this there was a lot of talk about whether or not this was going to be a Cloverfield movie when it was in production. Oh. Wow. I think that there were just been... whispers. Yeah. Ah, man, that, that would have been crazy, because it would have had to have been, like, this prequel to, uh... Did you see the other Cloverfield movies? No, I've only seen the first one. Ah, man. I, yeah, I just watched that first one again. That's so good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this one takes place on D-Day, so, yeah, this I guess yeah, it would have been interesting to see how this would have factored in, but maybe they could have tied it to the serum. Yeah. Taken. yeah. Yeah, sure. Um... Oh, like Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> like... <laughs> The serum gets out, and these, like, underwater creatures, like, get a hold of it, and then, boom, you have, like, the first Cloverfield, and this thing comes out of the ocean, because uh, it got high on that serum. Yeah. Teenage Ninja Turtles is the original yeah. plot about the serum and biological warfare. Exactly. That's the in-between between this movie and, and Cloverfield. <laughs> uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? I do, yeah. This movie has two Game of Thrones people in it oh um oh yeah one guy is uh the the uh the Greyjoy guy or something right uh yeah so you're on Greyjoy the uncle of 
um, oh shit, now I forget everybody's names. Theon and his sister Yara. Yeah, I can't remember if that's her name or not. Something like that. Yeah, Yara. I think it, right. it's different in the books than it is in the mo- uh, show. So I'm confused. But yeah, he's the main like antagonist here, Raffner. Uh, oh, Pili yeah. Razback is his name. Wait, so so that was Theon from Game of Thrones, right? It's Theon's uncle. Are you sure it, it wasn't Theon? Yeah, I'm sure. Ah man, I thought I thought when I read that, I'm like, oh cool, that's Theon, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you're on. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then the um, <laughs> he's a small character, but the dude who steps on a landmine is uh, Grey Worm. Uh, who is Grey Worm? He's like one of um, Daenerys's followers. Oh yeah, yeah. She was oh. one of the slaves she freed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's one of the guys that like dies early on. That's like writing the book or something or the diary. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like saying he's going to write a book and then he explodes. Ah, bummer. Yeah, I, I didn't recognize him. And yeah, he's, he's gone like so early in the movie. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got something interesting about John Magro too. So we'll get to that later. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So and, it's, it's a bunch of like, no like giant big ticket actor but all people you recognize and who who've got some stuff in there yeah in their uh past that's notable except uh the actress there's there's one actress in this matilda olivier um i I don't think i've seen her in anything i couldn't find anything she's done were you able to find any background on her yeah i think she is she's a french actress so i think maybe she had done a french film or two but yeah she's pretty her IMDb page is pretty empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this was a big budget movie. Yeah, I know. Like a thirty-one million or so, or thir- thirty-eight I think million. Thirty-eight million, and so far it's grossed thirty-eight point nine. Yeah, I know. That's that's a bummer. It is big of a bummer. I think this is. I mean, it's not a bad draw thirty-eight to make thirty-eight million, but with a budget that big. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, the this I feel like came out at a at a weird time. It was like it kind of came out in Octoberish, but like late October maybe. Like in in Halloween, I think kind of stole all the theater, uh, you know, v- visits for Halloween movies. So I, I feel like this one was like really well promoted, and it came out at a weird time. And even like when I went to see this like two or three weeks ago, um, it was only like it was already like down to only one theater in Chicago, which uh, I thought was really surprising. Yeah, it's just, it's strange a little bit, the release of this. It was released on November 9th. Oh, um, okay. Which is October 19th, I believe, was when Halloween was released. So they weren't right up against each other, but Halloween was still in theaters. Got it. So people might have just had, like, horror movie burnout because they had been watching them in October. Yeah. Um, It was released against, alongside The Girl in the Spider's Web and The Grinch, which Mm. I don't know why that would be that big of a problem, I guess. Like, (laughs) they don't seem to be competing with each other. Have you seen The Grinch, man? I haven't. Did you? No, but (laughs) (laughs) you're saying it's a little. It might have like overlap, uh, (laughs) overlap appeal between a Nazi zombie. (laughs) Zombie Grinch? Yeah, exactly. Nazi Grinch? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I, I noticed on this website. I think it's called Box Office Mojo. Have you heard of that site? I haven't. It's kind of handy. But I was looking at some stats, and it looks like this has been the worst November since two thousand seven. At the wow box for the box office. Wow, yeah. That's I don't crazy. know if there's still like numbers you're still trickling in since we're just now finishing November when we're recording this, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. No, I, so, I think you're right. They, I don't. I feel like there were any like big strong releases in November. Yeah. yeah um, so I, I think there's some surprise in the horror movie community too that the people aren't really making a bigger deal out of this movie. Yeah. And I uh, think also yeah. people are at this weird spot. Like big horror fans are like, there's so much in 2018 that like you still need to see. Right. Like, like you mean like from before? Yeah. Like. I know I've got a lot of 2018 horror movies on my list that I just haven't gotten around to yet that are supposed to be great. Right, right. It was a good year for horror. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I wonder if, like, November is probably, like, the worst time to release a horror film because everyone is gets pretty burned out in October. 
and your odds of like uh, drawing in a big crowd in November, you're running up against like the Thanksgiving, the holiday crowd and the Grinch. Yeah, yeah, that could be true. I mean, it, November typically is a, a good month for movies in general, but yeah, for horror movies, that that could be the case. Yeah, yeah. And and this one, like, was it solely advertised as a horror movie? Or, because um, I mean, watching it, I mean, you know, we talked about, like, I mean, it wasn't entirely a horror film, but was that mostly the angle it was portrayed as? From the trailers I remember, I think it was horror heavy. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, that's kind of what I remember, too from an Instagram trailer. Yeah. Yep. Well, anything else on this before we start proceeding to the spoiler-heavy plot? Um, I mean, overall, it's got really good reviews, right? Yeah, I think it's in the 80s on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, received pretty well for, for a horror film. Yeah. Um, People uh, like it. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's not doing bad at the box office. It's just that it was so <laughs> big budget. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think that's one of the elements I appreciate. I feel like they the effects and everything were done pretty well. Yeah. But, yeah, hopefully they can make that back. Yeah, and that's not like superhero movie budget, but it's <laughs> deep, pretty big for a horror movie, it seems. Yeah, just just a normal hero, not a superhero. <laughs> hero movie budget. Yeah, hero movie budget. <laughs> no, that, that, that's all I got. Okay. Uh, well, before we move on, John Magaro was born in Akron, Ohio. Ooh. Awesome. And which, which, who was he in the movie? He played Tibbet, the guy who was like kind of a jerk at first, and then you kind of warmed up to him by the end, and he, oh, he was yeah. kind of the guy interacting with the kid the most. Yeah. Wow, shoot. He went to Still Monroe Falls. That was right next to uh, the school I went to. Yeah, I actually like have a friend on Facebook who like has a picture of her from like childhood with all her neighborhood friends, and he's, he's there at like eight years old. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He was born yeah, the same good. year as us. Yeah. Yeah. Nice connection. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the plot, but uh, I got to go check on something real quick. I could swear I hear a woman outside calling for help, so I think I'd better go check that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd better check that out quick. Let me know what happens. Okay. Cool. Be right back. All right. Okay, man, I'm back. There there was a woman at my front door, and she was asking for help, but she was just a head with a spinal cord attached. <laughs> what, what, what kind of help was she uh, asking for? Did she, like, need a body or something? I don't know. I was a little weirded out, so I just, I, like, you flipped, just a, flipped her a couple of bucks. And... <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she just needed a hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah. It's a dumb knock-knock joke on there, probably. She's trying to get a leg up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really had to put her body into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else we got there? <laughs> <laughs> Felt like, you know, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I thought she was, she was going to be armed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get to uh, to that reference soon, but we start out, and it's total war movie vibe. It's these soldiers in World War II on a like fighter plane, and they're on a mission to take out this signal scrambler. It's kind of like a revisionist history of the day before uh, D-Day. So they're on a mission to take out this signal scrambler that the Germans have placed on top of a church tower uh, in this small French village. So we meet our lead character, Boyce, who's played by Joven Adepo from Fences. And we meet some other main characters. There's an explosives guy named Ford, a camera guy who's just there taking pictures, Tibbet, who's kind of like this New York, Brooklyn accent jerk who's kind of giving Boyce a hard time. That's our Akron, Ohio native. And then Rosenfeld, who's kind of like, seems to be Boyce's closest friend. And then, of course, there's their sergeant explaining the mission. So the plane gets shot down. They crash. And a few of them survive. Like, there's a pretty... And it's a pretty, like, intense war movie scene. Like, yeah. 
I, I felt like there's a lot of tension and horror just from the war aspect of this movie. Yeah, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but that whole plane sequence and like the how, how scary it was, where, like everything's like blowing up around them, and then like the plane's going down, and the camera like kind of follows him as he's falling from the sky, and the parachute's coming out. I thought that was like pretty effective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. This is a well-made movie. It really does have almost like a Spielberg type vibe. Yeah. Hey, have have you ever seen the movie Dunkirk? I have. Yeah. Um, yeah, is, is that, is that have similar vibes to it in, in terms of like the opening of this movie is it like, uh, put you in the seat of it pretty accurately. Yeah. Or? Yeah. There's a lot of horror in that movie which just generated from the horrors of war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, I had never seen something like that. I, I thought it was pretty effective. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Boyce lands in the water and some other dudes land in the woods and manage to survive. And there's this. I think one of the creepiest shots of the movie, even though it's not really intended to be horror, it's like a shot of a silhouette of parachutes stuck in trees with these dudes just hanging from them. It's like a oh, shot yeah. of the woods and these men who didn't make it who were just hanging by their parachutes. It's kind of like right. glowing orange fires behind them. Uh, and then just yeah. they're swinging. It's, it's kind of haunting. It's very disturbing. So we've got our survivors. Boyce is kind of crawling around. He sees his sergeant, but his sergeant gets shot. And Boyce kind of tries to do something to save his sergeant, but then Ford, the like explosives specialist, pops out of nowhere and grabs him. And I think this kind of sets up a dynamic between them where he's kind of like, to use D&D terms, Boyce is kind of like, chaotic good and ford is like lawful good like they both are trying to do the right thing but yeah. boyce is like i'll do anything to do like what i believe in my heart is right and ford's yeah. like hey don't be an idiot like we have a mission and like yeah you're just gonna get yourself killed yeah i like that dynamic between the two yeah i do too yeah. um so yeah then they find they meet up with tibbet this other dude and Another friend who's played by Grey Worm from Game of Thrones. Grey Worm steps on a landmine and blows up. It seems like his friend, the guy who seemed he seemed friendliest with on the plane, Rosenfeld, didn't make it. Because he's nowhere to be seen. So we get this tense scene where they're walking across, across a minefield. They're just trying to like find their way and still carry on with this mission. They come across a French woman named Chloe. And she ends up being from this village where the churches that houses this signal tower uh, so right Brian, before they they run into her though do you remember like they find something in the woods uh and, and it, you can't really tell what it is it's just like something like really uh you know it looks like really disfigured some kind of yeah body yeah what is, what is that it's just like a a body I mean, is it was it an animal or a person or could they just not tell they they couldn't tell, but I, I'm guessing after watching the movie, it must have been maybe like a body, like a one of the bodies they put out, because the, the bodies would you know turn into like you know something you couldn't really recognize. I'm guessing that's what it was, unless they were testing something on the animals and it was uh, something that was done on animals or something. I couldn't yeah. really tell. Okay, so that sends some lets you know that something something strange is afoot. Yeah. Okay, so they come across this woman, Chloe. She leads them into her village, and the Germans have taken over this and have been terrorizing, the Nazis, I should say, have taken over the village and have been terrorizing the townspeople. They've been taking them away and doing these weird experiments on them that the townspeople kind of have some rumors about what's going on. Uh, This woman, Chloe, takes them back to her house. She lives with her little brother, Paul, who seems like he's like an eight-year-old kid, and her aunt who's sick um we just like hear her wheezing and coughing up in an upstairs bedroom and and at this point uh like you kind of know that like um well i don't know i mean i guess from the previews and stuff did did you kind of figure that like something is like going on with their aunt like it's not just a normal like cold yeah yeah and they're talking about how they're doing experiments on people so you kind of know yeah her aunt's probably a victim of these experiments and then at some point, not too far from here, Boyce kind of peeks in on her, and she's just like horribly uh, deformed and doesn't barely looks human anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have this stretch where they're just kind of hiding out in this house, talking, and our main character Boyce kind of bonds with this woman 
he can speak French, so that's something right there. Because um, his Haitian grandmother taught it to him in Louisiana. And you kind of get the vibe that he's got a crush on her. Oh, really? And maybe, maybe her on him. I, I kind of felt that way, but maybe not. Yeah, I could see it. I think they kind of showed some restraint with that plot. Like if they really wanted to go yeah. full out Spielbergian, it would have been more overt. Yeah, yeah, more more, more over overtones on the love love story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely yeah yeah. I, I guess yeah, you're right. They definitely developed a relationship there. Yeah. So they end up in a situation where the Nazis come to search the house, and all these soldiers are hiding upstairs in the attic, kind of looking down through the floorboards at what's going on. So there's a tense moment, and there's this Nazi general named Waffner, and he like gets Chloe in the kitchen by herself and he's like going to sexually assault her and Boyce isn't having it like as we said before he's like willing to expose themselves to do the right thing so he goes down there and stops it and then they all end up essentially getting in a fight with this dude and kicking his ass and taking him prisoner so they're trying to get info from him and can't get anything and at some point here they've still got him prisoner and our guy Ford, who's kind of like the the one who just wants to do the mission, I think he's the commanding officer now that the sergeant is dead. Yeah. He tells Boyce to go do some reconnaissance on this church. So Boyce goes out there, he finds the church, and it's just this giant like Nazi fortress, and he sees these Nazis like flamethrower, a dude who seems to be sick, mm-hmm. and then one of their dogs sees him, so he starts running with his dog chasing him and he just jumps on the back of this truck um, just to get away from this dog. And it ends up that the bed of this truck is like full of dead bodies and entering the compound. So Boyce gets into the compound. He ends up seeing a doctor who it's clear the doctor's doing experiments. There's like prison cells with these kind of, they allude to like monsters being in them or some sort of mutants. And yeah. he keeps stumbling upon, like, weird shit. And this is when he sees... This, I thought, was pretty creepy. He, like, hears a woman's voice in French asking for help. Right. And it's just, like, a very... I think, to me, too, it's, like, it was different because it was in French. She was just, like, s'il vous plaît. Like, yeah. it's, like, this very polite, like, request for help. <laughs> and he, like, pulls back a curtain and sees this head on a spinal cord. Right. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that, that was pretty jarring. I, I think that whole sequence when he's like wandering around uh, the the bottom of that church or whatever, um, like even when he's looking in the cell and like that guy's like, you, you see like that kind of guy like just kind of running around going mad in there. Uh, you, those are pretty crazy visuals. Yeah, there are a lot of haunting visuals here. Mm-hmm. And the, there's all these like giant bags kind of strung up on hooks. And I can't remember if he like cuts one open or what, but like, it's just this giant bladder of liquid and it's clear that there's like a body in there moving and the head like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it's like a zipper and the head like pops out of the zipper and asks for help. Right. And it's just gross. Yeah. So it's some kind of weird torture experimental, uh, lab down there run by some mad doctor. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, he also ends up stumbling upon his friend from the beginning of the movie and the plane Rosenfeld, who we kind of assumed was dead. And Rosenfeld's like laying on this bed, plugged into all these tubes and he gets him out of there. He ends up stealing a syringe of this strange liquid too. So he comes back to Chloe's house with his buddy Rosenfeld and the syringe of this stuff. And yeah. at some point, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I just found that whole uh, sequence. I mean, yeah, it was, it was like frightening and he saw like some crazy stuff. But like, what are the chances like this guy like pops up in a in like this experimental uh, science lab in a in a German occupied uh, church and just able to like wander around like taking all the stuff like steal some medicines, free a guy, and get out of there without ever being seen? I think that was kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was all a little bit too easy, and I was also so I kept waiting for Rosenfeld to like actually be a mutant, but he was just alive, hooked up yeah. to stuff. Right, yeah, just badly injured. Yeah, I mean, he could have turned at any point, I guess. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently they hadn't done anything irrevocable to him. Right. 
Um, so at some point here, their prisoner, Waffner, the guy that was trying to, Nazi that was trying to assault Chloe, he gets free and he shoots their camera guy. So the camera guy is dead. And they eventually, I think they, well, after the camera guy dies, they Boyce injects him with this syringe that he found. Mm-hmm. And the camera dude comes back to life. And he's like, oh, I feel great. And they hand him a canteen of water. And he, like, Incredible Hulk smashes the canteen in his hand and just starts getting, like, crazy violent. And they eventually, he's, like, clearly a mutant. He, like, has a, it's a pretty cool scene. And all the effects are practical, which I really liked. Oh, yeah. Where his head, like, snaps back in a weird way and his like bones like pop up through his shoulders yeah that was like, out of good. his skin it's yeah pretty gnarly mm-hmm. so they end up just like machine gunning his stomach apart and then voice like stomps on his head until it's crushed into a gory oblivion right and, and, and i think before that didn't their prisoner like kind of let them know because they're like interrogating him and beating him up and I thought at some point he mentions that they're trying to create the next generation of like super soldiers or whatever, or like the the rain or, or you know the, the what do they call that uh, the next uh, you know they they wanted to like run the next thousand years or something with like an army that was capable of like living that long or something. Oh yeah, the Reich. Oh yeah, the next Reich. Yep. Um, yeah, and so then in the chaos of all this happening, the prisoner escapes. And he takes Chloe's little brother, Paul. Uh, and as he's running away, they kind of have a bit of a shootout. And Ford ends up, like, getting him with a shot to his jaw. But he's still alive. He, like, gets in this vehicle and, and drives away. And they decide, ultimately, kind of against Ford's interests, to go into this stronghold and destroy everything in the basement, like all the experiments and stuff. And Ford's kind of like, that's not the mission. And Boyce is like, but we have to do it. It's the right thing. Like, these experiments are wrong. And that's when our guy Tibbet from Akron, who's kind of been like a jerk the whole time and a wise-ass, he, like, is like, hey, we have to do it. And it's kind of been like a long, a long, subtle journey into, like, you liking him, mm-hmm. whereas you started off not liking him. And he's kind of had some, like, bonding moments with this little kid, too, so... I think yeah. he, he wants to rescue the kid. Yeah, because I think the kid was trying to bond with him early on in the movie, and uh, he, he was kind of tough on him. But yeah, at this point, it's kind of like a turning point for his character. Yeah. Apparently, that that child actor would like tap you on the back and then punch you in the nuts <laughs> and run away. <laughs> what? Who did he do that to? Uh, to... Um, I think a lot of the guys, but I saw an interview where John Magaro was talking about the fact that he would do that sometimes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Was was he actually a French kid? Uh, I think so. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so they're going in, and Chloe is in on it with them. Like, she's in on this mission. So it starts out by her luring one of the Nazis to the guys, because the Nazis recognize her and they go after her. So she lures them to the rest of the soldiers and they kind of, he's like riding a motorcycle chasing her and they end up rigging him to his motorcycle, like full of explosives, tape them all up and send him through the gates of the Nazi stronghold and all the explosives blow up and you see his head blow up. This is a pretty gory movie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Definitely overboard on the violence. Yeah. So that, you know, yeah, oh, that, was re- that was a really cool attack scene. I, th- I thought, like, yeah, just the way he's, like, taped up to the bike. Just, like, gets in there and, like, there's, like, a, all these grenades, like, attached to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was, that was pretty effective. There's a lot of times in this movie where I was kind of going, like, oh, under my breath. In the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, 10-year-old me was excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely, it's like, get him, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they do that. It's kind of chaos after this explosion. And you've got Tibbet and Rosenfeld like stationed there shooting at the Nazis at the gates while Ford, Boyce, and Chloe get inside the compound through the sewer system, which is how Boyce escaped earlier in the movie. So they run into some more gnarly mutants. 
and they kind of get split up because I think they're trying to find Paul, the little kid, and rig explosives to blow up the whole thing mm-hmm. after they get out of there. So we get a scene where this mutant is chasing Chloe and she finds a flamethrower and then turns around and flamethrowers the mutant, which I think is I think is in the trailer and like a lot of times if you look up pictures of this movie, she's that's the Oh image. yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, iconic uh, image. That's pretty yeah, badass. Yeah, very iconic. It's pretty badass. Harkens back to uh Ellen Ripley and Aliens. Yeah, right, for sure. Uh so they end up they rig some explosives they're able to grab the brother, and then they have a showdown with Waffner, the guy that they took prisoner before. He's, like, willingly injected himself, basically because he was in... I think he was pissed off and super, like, in a lot of pain mm-hmm. because he had had his jaw, like, blown off by Ford um, after he escaped. So he injects himself and then turns into this, like, super mutant. <laughs> yeah. And they end up, Ford and Boyce, in a fight with him. And Ford ends up injecting himself with the serum so that he can defeat Waffner, the gnarly-looking bad guy who's, like... And that's another, like, shot you see in the previews, like, his devious smile with, like, half of his jaw missing. Oh, they show that in the previews? I think so, in some of the previews. Yeah. This is, it really felt like really a video game here. It was like ultimate bad guy against the, you know, you killed all the other mutants or you know, all the other soldiers and now you're up against the, uh, the main guy. Yeah, it was very, very video gamey. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people said this movie reminded them of Wolfenstein. Oh, I'm yeah. Not, I think it's a Nazi zombie video game. Yeah, yeah. You never played that one? I think I played it once when I was like in fifth grade at a friend's house, but. Yeah. It's one of those early How about issues, you? But- yeah, yeah. So I feel like it was one of the first first person shooters I ever played. Um, yeah, I felt like it was. I remember when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is like Doom." Yeah, right. Yeah, and Wolfenstein is kind of like the prequel to Doom. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I, I think this kind of followed that. Where like you're you're stuck in this like Nazi camp or something, and uh, you're just going level to level, like killing the next bad guy. Yeah, for sure. So it comes down to. Forward sacrificing himself he like tells it's kind of like a trope i feel like we've seen in other movies too just you get out save yourself and he's gonna blow the whole place up yeah with himself inside so boyce makes it out of there you got the scene with everything exploding right behind him barely makes <laughs> it out yeah. um and then that's i mean it was a pretty cool scene the fight scene between the two of them, Ford and and Waffner, and it was pretty gory and intense. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. At one point, like he's like impaled on a hook. Yeah, and has to like pull himself off the hook by like grabbing onto the rope the hook's hanging on. Yeah, then there's like the the shooting of like the helium tank that explodes. Yep. Straight like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like pretty epic like battle scene there at the end. Yeah. Uh. So. It ends kind of in victory, essentially. Like, they destroyed the signal jammer so that other planes can get in and radio to each other, and, like, D-Day can then happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wrap up with, like, all them sitting around. Like, Tibbet, the kind of wise-ass dude, is playing cards with the kid, and they're all buddy-buddy. Yeah. Um, oh, he ends up... There's a scene where he takes a bullet, essentially, for the kid. Right. Yeah. Um, like so saving he's the kid. Yeah, so by the end of the movie, like, you love Tibbet and you love his relationship with this kid. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like Boyce and Chloe kind of give each other, like, a subtle look. Again, yep. they, they aren't going real heavy on, like, any romance there. No, definitely uh, a lot of, yeah, eye romance. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are kind of in, in a, maybe even a disagreement on whether or not they were even attempting a romance storyline there. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> And then it ends with, like, the guys learning they're transferred to another unit, and they tell their superiors that, like, we just, we went in there and uh, blew it all up to destroy the comm tower, and Ford was in there, and he, like, sacrificed himself, and the superiors are like, we've heard rumors about experiments, and they basically just tell them nothing, none of it was true, and nothing was down there, and I think it's kind of a, a way for them to be like, hey, we don't think anybody should have 
get a hold of this stuff. So yeah, I should go back there and find that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so yeah, that's I, that, man. Yeah, I kind of thought the reason they didn't tell uh, the corporal at the end or whatever, like you know that, that these experiments are going on there, uh, was they're holding out for a sequel or something. But I think you're right. It's probably they just didn't want. Uh, probably to protect that what was going on there. Yeah. Invasion. But who knows? Maybe a sequel too. Yeah. Probably yeah. not, considering they barely made their money back. Yeah, they barely made the money back, and then D Day already happened. So I don't, I don't know what the sequel. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you then, can. Re- then, you, oh god. Clearly, you can revise history. Yeah, or then it's suddenly 1980 or ni- 1992, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are popping up out of the series. <laughs> this is <your> sequel. <laughs> That's the sequel. This is a prequel to TNMT. <laughs> exactly. Also known as Cloverfield Part Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's uh so, i mean was that I, f- I feel like even in talking about it like it's mostly an, an action film then it really is i mean there are horror elements for sure enough to call this a horror movie but it it really to be honest it kind of shines as a war movie like action mm-hmm. movie yeah right with like a brief uh like hint of uh yeah, horror themes are like zombies, which I thought could have made it uh, really cool. If, because I mean, how many zombies do we see in the whole film? Like three or four? Yeah, it really wasn't that many. Yeah, um, and, and and meanwhile, you got this whole like uh, the research facility with like which should be like you know pumping with uh, zombies, which is, it should be pouring out of every corner. And, and like, how crazy would that have been if they had all like gone wild and like kind of turned down the encampment or on on the Nazis or something? Yeah, I think that that was a common refrain I saw some from some critics and just people who have watched it and are talking about it on Twitter. Like, they didn't go hard enough on the horror. Um, yeah. And just, like, the previews made it look like it was going to be bonkers. Yeah. And it... I think it was in a lot of ways. Like, this was... It was gory and intense, and it had some scenes where you're like, oh, my. Yeah. But yeah. it... It could have leaned harder on that. I feel kind of torn because I feel like it almost made it a more balanced movie by not doing that. For sure, yeah. Um, and like, where would you have? What would you have scrapped to do that? Because you know, it's all about kind of time and efficiency. And mm-hmm. and this was, I think, a little bit of a longer movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was like an hour and a half or so. Um, oh, was yeah, it really I, only an hour and a half? Uh, I think so. Uh, I yeah, should write right. things like this down. <laughs> That's, and, and, you know, like, uh, I, I feel like that this was also, it, I mean, it took a while to get to the action here. Like, I feel, I feel like those, even like in that first scene where they're on the plane, there's like a good like 10 minutes of them just like talking about like war or like their backstories before the, you know, the action really starts happening. And then even when they get to the town, a lot of the time they're just in that uh, room before they actually like start going in and fighting. So the movie like kind of builds up like really slowly. Yeah, and I like that because like I, f- I felt very invested in all the characters. Yeah, yeah and like I liked where every character's storyline went. Like they all had a clear storyline and ended up somewhere. Kind of, it wasn't just like oh, who knows what's going on with that character? Or, like we don't even care anymore. Like right, they juggled a lot of characters, but it was still very clear who the main characters were. Yeah, yeah, and enough to build was, that chemistry. Everything. Yeah, it was just like an all around really good movie like good narrative good pacing yep um and yeah i think a lot of the tension too did come from more of the war type stuff like right as gory as it was um and as cool as some of those scenes were with like the severed head like that plane scene at the beginning was like the most tension i felt the whole time yeah yeah that that was a really intense scene i I agree that was probably yeah one of the scarier parts but yeah I mean, uh, war is pretty damn scary. Yeah, yeah, and, and the way they captured it there was like some of the best I'd seen on cin- on cinema. Yeah, um, but it just makes me think. Like, I, I agree. Like J.J. Abrams, like this is a really good movie. It's really well balanced. It isn't too far in either direction. But he's kind of like the cold play of like uh, movie directors, where like he can come out and, like make like a really well rounded uh, work like this one, uh, which has like great elements. Like we talked about, good characters. Uh, you know, you know, great portrayal of like war and like you know the, the intensity with it, and a good story, but like he just stops like from going crazy, which is what it could have been at the end, if you layered on like more of the zombies. You really only had like kind of one real zombie battle, 
which is like with Chloe versus that one zombie in, in the prison. But imagine if they like amped that up by like 10 and just like all, all the zombies coming out, pulled to 28 days later or something or 28 days. And, and then that could have been pretty cool. Yeah. And actually the original script, it sounds like was that like they had way more of like a zombie uh, mob at the yeah. end of the movie. And there was more like good old fashioned zombie killing, like sword decapitations and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, but yeah, somewhere along the way it, it got revised. Yeah. How do you, how do you do a zombie movie? Like, I, I feel like every zombie movie, uh, one of the rules is there's always like a bunch of them and that's like kind of what makes them so scary. And, and in this one, he, it was his, kind of a zombie movie, but you only had like three or four of them, which. Yeah. But again, uh, zombies tough cause it's, they're really just kind of mutants almost. Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. not really. Uh, it, it's, it's tough. I guess they are zombies, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just not the traditional yeah, zombie, yeah. in my opinion. Right, because they're, they're still kind of conscious, uh, or they have their conscience with them. They're but you could have added a few of those as just like, to get like one or two scenes, just like, hey, these are experiments that went bad, and these are just straight up zombies. True. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been. Uh, yeah. yeah give, give, showing you a little bit more behind the curtains. Because that, that was really cool when he was going around the, the hospital. And, and he saw some of that messed up stuff. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, good graphics. Um, yeah, man, so what do you think? Zero to five severed heads with a spinal cord attached. <laughs> Saying, asking for help in French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, politely. <laughs> uh, I, I got to give it a, a two, man. I, I don't feel like the storyline was terribly original. Uh, and I agree with you. It was, it was like a good written movie uh, overall, but I don't feel like it had enough character it's like kind of stand out on its own or go into one direction as like a horror film or as an action film. It did all the things pretty well, but I think it could have benefited by uh, picking like a specific direction and just going like down the road on that one. What, what about well, you? I think this is one of our big disagreements. I, I give it a 4.5. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, crazy. I loved it. I like, I, I think you and me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, you really get pissed if a scary movie isn't scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's fair, isn't it? It is, but, like, it's just a movie. It doesn't have to be <laughs> anything. It doesn't have to meet any expectations. Like, in a way, it does, like, because I think part of the problem with this movie is, like, who is the audience for it? Yeah. But, um, or at least maybe part of the problem money-wise, but... Uh- I mean, this was such a well-made movie, and like the the opening scene is incredible. Like, it's yeah. just if you were going into it like thinking it was an action movie, right? Then you would have just been pleasantly surprised by the horror stuff and been like, "True." I I think I think you're right. I think if it was billed as an action movie, it could have done a lot better. Um, but but just like the way, because uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they weren't actually zombies. Maybe it was just like some weird experiment. And this is maybe it isn't a zombie film, and maybe they should have just called it action with like a you know some sci-fi elements to it. And in it, but but I think it's like their unwillingness to like commit to a genre, which has uh, hurt like the you know the viewership of this movie or the the success of it because they haven't really attracted a base because no one really knows what it's supposed to be. Like, is it wartime? Is it action? Is it horror? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You, you can't be everything for everyone, and I feel like they're trying to pull a Chris Martin in that one. Yeah, but, like, marketing is very separate from, like, the actual experience of watching the movie. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to adhere to a genre, but you just have to figure out how to market it and who to market it to. Sure. I mean, I mean, did you, like, walk out of there, though, thinking it was scary at all? Like, I mean, you, you like the, the scary parts of the, the war, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't think it was, there were a couple creepy scenes, like when he's approaching the aunt's door and she's sick, and him like finding the experiments, but yeah, I was never really scared, Yeah, but that's okay with me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man, sometimes when I'm watching a scary movie, I like to be scared. Yeah. (laughs) You're such an ass about that. (laughs) From time to time. (laughs) Usually not, though. (laughs) But okay. yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I like yeah, it was it was effective, good storytelling, and 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 yeah, the effects are pretty good. So none of that was CGI. Um, I'm sure they did a touch of CGI here and there, but it was for the most part all practical effects. Damn, that's that's pretty impressive. Like even the plane scene was like a plane rigged up on a 
crane or something and they like tilted it and wow stunt stunt doubles were like legit falling out of it wow yeah through fire that was awesome man they i think they did that really well yeah um but yeah all right well in summary listeners don't ever watch a horror movie unless it's actually scary (laughs) that's what i've been saying (laughs) (laughs) okay well do you have anything else to add before we start closing up shop here no no this is a fun one to check out I, i had a good time watching it actually it was good okay cool well that's all for our episode on overlord folks uh i'm gonna add to our usual wrap up again we would love to get more reviews out there on whatever apps you're listening on especially itunes slash apple podcasts um also it's kind of not intuitive to rate on apple podcasts so just go to the main screen for our show and if you scroll down there should be like a best of the podcast section you have to scroll past that down farther, which is like weirdly hard to do sometimes. And there you'll find a section where you can rate or review us. Either would be great, but if you type a little bit of review, review, even if it's just one word, that would be great. You can knock out of place this weirdly strange bad review that we got. <laughs> uh, anyway, we hope you enjoyed the discussion on Overlord. And if you want to join the discussion, we encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. Check out our website, horrormovieclub.com, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check Facebook or Twitter for what movie we're going to do next week. And our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. Check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, Do your part and petition your local leaders for more movies with women wielding flamethrowers. Yes. That's That's all we need. (laughs) 